Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 29 through 51, called A Great Cry in Egypt. You know, in Egyptian, in the Egyptian uh, pantheon of gods and goddesses, the Pharaoh was supposed to be a god. He was the next god for Egypt. He was the visible manifestation of the sun god, Ra. He was supposed to be light and life to his people, and now he was dead. Their god was dead. The heir to the Egyptian throne was gone. And I'm sure that word began to travel quickly. The prince is dead. No, the prince is dead. And then can you imagine, if we put it in a modern scene, can you imagine a city where maybe you got an aerial view and you can see light after light come on in households and then you just hear wailing cries all over Egypt. Not one house didn't have somebody dead. Cattle were dead. And it's a sad, sad scene. And it reminds me that the Bible says that death is no respecter of persons, right? It went from the palace to the dungeon. When death hits, it hits. And the truth of the matter is that the wages of our sin is death. That's why we die, because we've sinned against God. And God is the one responsible, as hard as this might be for us to take, to bring death into the world. But he also brought a solution into the world. He brought a savior. He brought the lamb of God. He allowed his son to take our place, to pay our redemption price. But the reason we die is our first parents blew it. In the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And they died. They died spiritually. They died in the most important relationship in their lives. That is to know God. That's the most important thing that you and I can do is to know our creator. And loud wailing permeated the land of Egypt. Each and every household, the light came on and there was someone gone. Loud wailing into the early morning hours. It is, it's so hard when we lose a loved one, right? It's so hard to deal with this this death issue. I don't truly know how non-Christians deal with the death issue. I, I don't. But I know I was there at some point. I know at some point I didn't have that hope. But the good news is that we have a hope to preach that is far beyond the grave. Amen? Death does not have the final word in the gospel. Jesus does. To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. We don't have to fear death because our God has settled that question and death's sting is no more in the gospel and in the resurrection. Death will die. Death itself will be plagued. Hosea 13, 14 talks about the plague that will hit death. And Paul picks that up in 1 Corinthians 15 and says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Paul begins to mock death itself. How could he do that? Because Jesus Christ conquered death and brought life. You can clap for that one. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Amen? This is what we believe. We believe in a resurrected Christ who's alive and still saves. 
But Egypt didn't know that. Egypt had a weird religious view of things. They they spent much of their lives trying to appease, appease gods and goddesses. They didn't even know, you know, really what to expect from these gods and goddesses. They had a weird obsession with death. That's why you find these mummies in history and, and all of this weird stuff that they believed. They're, they worshipped idols. They had a fascination with death, but they didn't know the truth. And right in the midst of Egypt in Goshen was a people group who had the truth who were enslaved right in the midst of the most powerful nation in the world. And here we are, the church, living right in the midst of probably the most powerful nation that the world has ever seen. And we've been sealed with the blood. Now, can you imagine if you were in Goshen that night and you weren't going to go outside because you were told, don't even open that door. Don't go out and look. But can you imagine hearing the cries? I mean, you, you would know what God told Moses. Word had spread. You were packing a bag because you were getting ready to go in the Exodus. But loud wailing coming from all these corners of Egypt. And I'm sure that if you were an Israelite, you had to be experiencing a number of emotions. One is great gratitude. And the second was probably great sadness. Great gratitude for your own salvation, knowing that it was only that blood that protected you and your family. And at the same time, hearing the loud wailing from people who were essentially your neighbors and saying, oh, oh God. The reality of judgment isn't pretty. You know, sometimes we might wish that our enemies would taste, you know, of the judgment of God until we see the reality of what it is. And I'm sure as the wailing went forth, there was a lot of deep emotion. The book of Revelation repeats uh, some of the plagues that were experienced in Egypt. And it says this in Revelation 7, 14. It talks about a group of people who all of a sudden appear in heaven. Revelation 7, 14, it says, They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There's a second Passover coming. The Lord is coming again. And when Jesus Christ comes again, there will be another plague of darkness recorded in Matthew 24 and Revelation 6. And the thing that will make the difference on that second Passover night, if you will, will be the same thing that happened in ancient Egypt, whether or not you're marked by the blood of the lamb or not. And if you're marked by the blood, you will be safely brought into the promised kingdom And if you're not marked by the blood, you'll be under the judgment of God. A second second Passover is coming, brethren. This is not just some ancient story that we look at as spectators. We are living the salvation story, but there's a second Passover coming. And the good news is that those who overcome Revelation 2.11 will not be hurt by the second death. Death, in the ultimate sense, has been dealt with in Jesus Christ. And so the Pharaoh called for Moses 31 and Aaron at night. Uh, We're not sure if this was a face-to-face meeting because of something earlier that had occurred. Let me just comment quickly. In Exodus 10, the Pharaoh gets mad at Moses and he says, don't ever see my face again for in the day you see my face again, you will die. And Moses says, you're right. I will never see your face again. And Moses walked out. 
So this perplexes some scholars because they say, well, did Moses see him again? Was this just a moment of anger? Well, the language allows, see the word called there in verse 31? It allows for the idea of proclaim. And so it may be that simply the Pharaoh sent a message to Moses and Aaron. And finally, releasing them says, rise up, get out from among my people, just as the Lord had said, both you and the sons of Israel, go and worship the Lord as you have said. Okay, I give up. Take both your flocks, 32, and your herds, as you have said, and go. Get out of Egypt. Go. For how long have we been studying? Let my people go. No. Let my people go. No. Let my people go. No. Digging his heels in. Now he's like, get out. Go now. Some of you have family members like this. Sunday morning comes and they say, go. Go to church. Good. You need it. (laughs) I don't need it. But they whoosh you off to worship. Probably so that they can have control of the remote, don't you think? I mean, whatever. Isn't it funny? We have some people in our lives that are like, they're cool with you worshiping. Go ahead. Yeah, go to church. It's good for you. You, (laughs) No, no. We all need it, right? And then the Pharaoh says something pathetic. He's just lost the prince of Egypt, his firstborn. His whole land is reeling from his poor leadership. And what does he say? Oh, and bless me also as you're gone. Could you, could you bless me too? How pathetic. What, what does he want? His whole life has been devastated. Maybe it's something like this. Could you bless me also so that there's not a second plague of death? Could you bless me also because I got a lot to rebuild here. We're going to have to find another heir to the throne. We got a lot of rebuilding. We got a lot of graves to dig. He wants a blessing now. You know, in the Bible, the word bless means the hand that covers. And it's this idea that when you bless someone, you're basically invoking God to be benevolent to them, to be kind, to fill them, bless them, give them shalom, peace, cover them. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the lesser is always blessed by the greater. And it's interesting because if you rewind the tape in the land of Egypt, there was a blessing given by a patriarch to a pharaoh. You might remember that old Jacob, there was a famine in the land, and Joseph got sold into slavery by his brothers. And he ended up ascending to the Egyptian throne, really second highest leader in Egypt. And finally, Jacob, old Jacob, makes his way to Egypt. And that's how the people end up in Egypt in the first place. He's the the patriarchal father, the father of the 12 sons who become the 12 tribes. And as he ends up in Pharaoh, uh, in Egypt, he actually blesses the Pharaoh. He actually uh, asks God to bless him. That's the last time we know that this kind of scene has happened. It's cool when you can bless somebody. There's a number of ways that we can be a blessing to people. But one of the main ways that we can bless people is to pray for them. Even when people persecute us, we're supposed to pray for them. We ask God to bless them. I I can't extend a blessing in and of myself, but I can ask God to bless people. And not just when they sneeze, right? (laughs) Why do we do that anyway? I don't know. That's some tradition about 
when you sneeze, I guess you lose a second of your life or something like that. So be careful. Some of you sneeze in machine gun fashion and we got to really pray for you. But anyway, never mind. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you consider giving a year-end gift to Walk in Truth? We rely on the generosity of our listeners to help fund this ministry so we can equip as many people as possible with God's truth and show them how to apply that truth to their life. We hope Pastor Michael's teachings have been doing that for you. Would you please consider giving a gift of $20? With the help of your donation, we will continue to bring the gospel to people listening on this radio station and straight to their phone through podcast. Please give your donation of $20 now. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. Visit walkintruth.com. Thank you so much for your partnership. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. I can't extend a blessing in and of myself, but I can ask God to bless people. And not just when they sneeze, right? (laughs) Why do we do that anyway? I don't know. That's some tradition about when you sneeze, I guess you lose a second of your life or something like that. So be careful. Some of you sneeze in machine gun fashion and we got to really pray for you. But anyway, never mind. It took death for the Pharaoh finally to surrender. I've seen that with a lot of people. People who grow up in church, have been around the things of God. I've watched a lot of memorial services over the years from a place like this, watching a group. And I've seen a lot of people get right with God when someone dies. Don't wait. Because sometimes that's what we do. And God's so gracious that he will certainly redeem us even then. But we waste precious time when we do stuff like that. Was there a blessing for Moses to give to Pharaoh? No. There was no blessing left to give. Do you remember when uh, Isaac gets ripped off of his blessing, his, his birthright and blessing from Jacob? First, uh, Jacob rips off the birthright by basically he's made some stew. It was New England clam chowder. Do you guys remember this story? And Esau comes in from the field famished, and he says, give me some of that stew. And Jacob, who was a conniver, says, well, give me, give me your birthright. What good is a birthright if I'm famished? Esau was like a teenager. He hadn't eaten in 45 minutes, you know. <laughs> I had 17 pancakes, but that was an hour ago. I'm starving. Well, you want some stew? Give me, give me your birthright, and you can have some stew. You ate the stew. Birthright's gone. And then Jacob steals the blessing from him. Remember, he dresses up like he's got hairy arms, and his dad's old and can't see. And he steals the birthright and the blessing. And, and finally, Esau says to his dad, Isaac, is there no blessing for me, father? And Isaac says, I've already blessed your brother, Jacob. You guys know that Jacob and Esau represent two nations. Jacob represents Israel. I've already blessed him. Esau represents Edom. This is really the bigger explanation of 
passages about Jacob and Esau. If you read the book of Romans and study some tough passages with this kind of language, you need to understand that God is specifically dealing with nations here. Esau never served his brother in his lifetime, but Edom eventually would. And the book of Romans, I think part of our understanding of the book of Romans needs to shift that what Paul is doing in Romans is correcting some prideful behavior on the part of Israeli people, Hebrew people. Here's what the problem was. When Gentiles came into the church, they had issues. They didn't think that Gentile people should be in the church. And Paul is correcting them in the book of Romans. It's something that we have to understand. And I just want to share something that I heard from Vodi Bauckham recently about what's going on in our country with all the division about race. Vodi Bauckham said, you know, in the Bible, the Bible knows nothing of multiple races. We are one race. Amen? We come from one couple, Adam and Eve, all of us. And then eventually from Noah's three sons, right? We are all human. We have one race. That is the human race. The only difference between all of us in this room is where we hail from geographically and how much melanin we have in our skin. Bodhi Bauckham said, just because I have more melanin than you, God's blessed me with more melanin than you. Sorry. That's the only difference. Wherever you come from, whatever your skin color is, we are one race, the human race. Enough of this stuff about multiple races. The Bible knows nothing of this. Now, what we do know is that we are multiple ethnicities coming from different geographical areas. And the ancient distinction that God made between peoples was not the color of your skin. It was actually whether or not you were a Jew or a Gentile. That was the only distinction that God made. And you know what was the sign, whether or not you were a Jew or a Gentile? It was an outward sign indeed. It was called circumcision. And Jews and Gentiles in the early church were having a tough time getting along. And largely because there was some pride among the Jewish people. And the Gentiles came in with some different you know, perspectives and, and the like. And that was the ancient divide in the covenant people of God. And they had to get over that. But no matter where you hail from, no matter what amount of melanin you have in your skin, this is Vodi Bakken speaking, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think the enemy has done a tremendous job in dividing us with some categories that are, they begin with a lie. They're a lie. We're all one race. Now, has there been terrible things perpetrated on people because of the color of their skin and their origins geographically? Yes. Sadly, yes. But enough is enough with that. Don't you think it's time that we, we got the biblical categories correct so we can love each other as God has called us to love each other? There's a narrative going around that's It's destructive, and just to be candid with you, it's wrong from the very foundations of what it claims. It's wrong. It's not biblical categories. It's not how God sees us. You've been listening to A Great Cry in Egypt, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 29 through 51.
If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions based on what you heard in his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or maybe you need encouragement or prayer, or maybe you'd just like to share with us how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Again, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the last weekend of 2022 is upon us and man, time goes by so fast. You know, I'm in my fifties and, uh, time has moved quicker and quicker. It seems like now I know it moves at the same pace, but I guess it depends on where you are, (laughs) you know, relative to your life that, uh, you look at it in different ways, but let me just say this as time marches by a more of a sense of urgency about living, uh, comes to my heart and living for the right things, living for my King, living to glorify him in my marriage, my family ministry. Uh, that's, those are the thoughts that I have coming to the end of a year. You know, when we come to the end of a year, it's not, not a bad thing to look back. And maybe even to say something like this that's been said before. As I come to the end of this year, Lord, I'm not the man or woman I want to be, but I'm certainly not the man or the woman I used to be. And that is by God's grace. And one of the great things that you can do come the end of the year is simply renew your faith in Christ, renew your commitment to the King and the kingdom. Because I'll tell you what, there's great pleasure and satisfaction in serving him and being used as a vessel to bring others into the good news of the gospel and the kingdom. Well, this is a final opportunity to give a year-end gift to Walk in Truth. We've been talking about this a little bit more at the end of the year here. It's not something that I really uh, relish talking about, but it does take money to purchase airtime and to do what we do, and certainly to expand, which we'd love to do in 2023. If you've been blessed by this ministry and you want to help us out with a year-end gift or become a monthly partner, here's what you need to do. And I would encourage you to do so if you've been thinking about this for a while and don't think someone else is going to do it because that's usually not how it works. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the donate button, walkintruth.com, click on the donate button, and you can give whatever you can give, whether it's small or medium or large. It does help. Every dollar helps us, and uh, we so appreciate it. I want to give a big shout-out to those who have decided to partner with Walk in Truth. Mark from Corona, uh, thank you for becoming a Walk in Truth partner at $20 a month. Paige from Santa Barbara has become a Walk in Truth partner at $30 a month. Barbara from Inglewood, a Walk in Truth partner at $20 a month. And Rita from Riverside, kind of like how that sounds. Rita from Riverside <laughs> became a Walk in Truth partner at $30 a month. Every name that I just uh, named is precious. And it, and I just want to say it means a lot to us. And you're precious to us whether you're giving to this ministry or not. But it's precious in this sense. It does our hearts good to know that you've decided not only to pray for us, but to partner with us each month 
It helps us budget, prayerfully expand. And, and you know, brothers and sisters, when I think about these kinds of things, I think about people. I think about the impact on lives. First-time confessions of faith. You know, they say about a third of our uh, radio audience is uh, unsaved or unchurched. And uh, I think about first-time prayer commitments and people who get back into church and people who get back rededicated to the Lord and their Bibles. It's all exciting stuff, and the Lord's doing some really incredible things through Walk in Truth. We just want to humbly say we're grateful, and we covet your prayers. We deeply appreciate your support. Hey, if you want to join the team of Walk in Truth partners, you can do it today by going to walkintruth.com and clicking on the Donate button. A one-time gift is deeply appreciated. Monthly partners really makes a huge difference as well. If today's the day for you, uh, go to walkintruth.com and click on that Donate button. We are so grateful. I pray that you've had a blessed 2022. I know there's been bumps and bruises in our world, but I pray 2023 would be a wonderful year for all of us. I'm excited to see what the Lord will do with this ministry. I love you. I thank you all for partnering with us, praying for us, listening, telling people about the broadcast. We're so grateful. And we'll see you, Lord willing, right here next time. God bless you and Happy New Year. And join us Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 29 through 51, called A Great Cry in Egypt. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a happy New Year's Eve weekend. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.